The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. Today's episode is going to be a guest episode that I actually start on. It was Sophie's podcast, The Best Wishes podcast. All credit goes to The Best Wishes podcast, and it was such a lovely time, and I'm so excited to be able to share this episode on my podcast. I had the best time, and we had some really great chats, and I hope that you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Wishes the Podcast with me, your host Sophie Todd. Today is another bonus episode with a hugely inspiring girl for me personally, um, Liz Newcomer from the podcast Resiliency in Running. It is, as you will hear, a fantastic podcast. It covers so many um, topics with a little bit of a taboo, things that we both have in common. She's been through sexual trauma as well as struggled with eating disorders and has now found um, running and exercise something that actually is not necessarily encouraged in recovery as the best way to get through these tricky times. And we will hear all about what she's been through as well as what she's going through now and her journey and her recovery and all of that stuff. It's a hugely full-on episode and get to get your teeth into. Um, So grab yourself a cup of tea and settle in for an episode with Liz Newcomer. quick message from our partners the bounce back club a brand that makes beautiful handmade bespoke calligraphy cards for any all and no occasions whether it's just to say hi to send a paper hug to celebrate something special or even just an inside joke the bounce back club is the perfect way to send a special something to a special someone so check them out at the bounce back club on instagram and email with any questions or queries the bounce back club at aol.com or dm us and we will get in touch as soon as possible thank you so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode As always, we begin the episode with my wonderful guest, Liz, soundtrack, and today she has chosen Lose Somebody by Kygo. Quite a full-on song for a soundtrack. Why, Why did you choose that one? So when that song came out in 2020, I remember listening to it and it came out on my Spotify release radar and just the lyrics just really struck me because I was kind of in the midst of um, getting over someone and getting over someone that I had kind of put my 120% into and it was like a friend that 
I just ended up having a big crush on. And so just one of those um, situations where, you know, you kind of have to come to terms with this person's never going to put in that same effort that you put in with them. And you kind of have to just come to terms with, yeah, it's time to let them go. And I just feel like when that song first came on, I just, I think I listened to that song almost every day after in 2020. And it was like my most listened to song on my Spotify um, rap at the end of the year. And so, yeah, that song I think is just very meaningful because now I think I'm in such a better place in my life and, you know, not chasing people that don't prioritize you. And I think, yeah, that's important. And just making sure that you're prioritizing yourself. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Um, I think as well, it's actually a really timely song because a lot of people will relate. I know I can relate. Um, whether it's losing someone in your life or to COVID or just as a friend mm. or just feeling really distant from someone. Um, I think, I mean, last year, I definitely felt a lot more isolated. I know everyone did. Um yeah. But yeah, it's it's a great song. It and it came out at just the right time. Um and for my lovely listeners, I know quite a lot about you from listening to your wonderful podcast, Resiliency and Running. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know, tell us a little bit about you and your background and your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um I my name is Liz. Um I'm 25 years old, um American living abroad in London. Um and I am currently working in London. I work in healthcare, but that's kind of my day thing and my passion thing is um podcasting as of like last year that was like my quarantine passion project. Um and I think I just might be a very extroverted person that was very used to talking to people all the time. And then suddenly I was like, maybe I'll just record myself talking and <laughs> just see what happens. But um, I'm also just someone who just really believes in using my voice and, you know, using my voice when I'm standing up for something that I believe in. And that took quite a lot of time and quite a lot of years to come to terms with. And I think that um, there's a lot of strength that I can kind of, that I feel like I can give listeners when I'm speaking about subjects that may be really touchy, really controversial, um, but subjects that I think are really important to talk about. And I think, you know, the reward in this podcast has really been being able to be so vulnerable and seeing so many people, you know, kind of say, yeah, me too. I've been through that. And, you know, just being able to speak about this on other podcasts as well and just, being able to, you know, I'm like, I, I think I always think about like the girl that I was when I was going through those tough times. And I think, you know, I really wish that there was something or someone that could have spoken up for me. And I think that's kind of my goal with the podcast is that I hope that I can be the voice for people who don't feel like they have one right now. So not to get too deep too quickly, but <laughs> no, it's super inspiring. And just just take us back so that my the listeners know kind of what you've been through. It's been yeah. rough ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, I've I've lived and I've moved quite a lot, not just from you know the U.S. and the U.K., but I grew up in China for a few years because my mom's Chinese. 
and we moved um, a few states for my dad's job. And so just a lot of moving, a lot of transitioning. And um, one of those transitions was kind of in the midst of an eating disorder. And I felt like the move just really spiked it and heightened it. And so it kind of, I was kind of in active recovery. I was seeing a nutritionist, seeing a doctor, seeing a therapist, group therapy, everything on the list. And I kind of, I almost felt like I was getting somewhere and then we moved to a totally new town. And then I think, again, it kind of just went back to, you know, I need something to control and this is what I want to control because I don't feel like I have control over anything else in my life. And so I had a pretty full-on eating disorder um, and was diagnosed as anorexic when I was 16. And then I recovered from that um, about two years after. And so, um, yeah, just quite a lot of um, time that the eating disorder kind of took up in my life. And um, I think there are a lot of mental struggles that kind of come from that as well. And that that stemmed from, like, some bullying and cyberbullying that I had when I was in um, my younger years in school. I, I don't know what you guys call it here, but like for me, it was like we call it middle school in the U.S. And so I was about ages like 12 to 13. Um, and so I think a lot of it was, you know, prior to that, I was just a very free going kind of kid and just didn't really give a care for anything. And then, you know, as soon as girls there are mean girls in the world that start bullying you and they start pointing out your flaws and then you kind of realize these flaws or they kind of get in your head and you know I think it's the moment that you let those bullies their thoughts become your own thoughts that's when you kind of like allow that to enter your brain and your body and um yeah it just took quite a long time to recover from but um something that I'm really passionate about now and um And yeah, and then the other thing that I'd say is um, definitely being sexually assaulted in um, 2016 in college and um, probably, I don't know, I think I like those are the two hardest things that I've been through and I I can never really tell people what's harder to go through because I think they're equally as hard and there's really no like how to guide, you know, to get through these things when you go through them. Like, I feel like people go through things like heartbreak and, you know, people talk about, you know, it'll take time and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But I feel like with things that are really traumatic in your life, it's 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 really hard because a lot of it's kind of on you to make sure that you're processing the emotions correctly and efficiently and maybe with a therapist and, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself and, um Because a lot of it is just, especially with sexual assault, a lot of it is just, you know, you're very in your head about, was this my fault? You know, what do I do? What just happened? And um, there's a lot of shock to the body. I I went through like a total out-of-body experience when I was sexually assaulted and... Um, and I'm kind of in the midst of like, I really want to come out with a book next year, actually. And um, just really highlighting what my experience was like, um, specifically going through kind of a justice system. So in the US, we have what's called Title IX, and each university has them and they're specifically for sexual assault. But the sad thing is, there are a lot of cases that don't go reported as well as a lot of people that will report cases, but they get told that you don't have enough evidence to make a case. And so with my with this book that I want to write, I want to write about the experience because I feel like I'm one of the few people that can say that I went through 
a year-long Title IX case against a really, you know, terrible person that, you know, did this to me. And I fought for a year, but, and I came out and I won, but it was just like, I don't think anyone really knows what goes through those kind of processes and like what happens when, you know, it was like everyone knew about it as well. And people turn against you, people start, you know, in social settings, you know, they stop talking to you, they're calling you a liar, they're saying, oh, she's just doing this for attention. And it's just really nasty, nasty stuff. And I think, yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure when I'll finish this book, but it's it's kind of an idea that I have at the moment because I'm hoping to really highlight a lot of it. And I want to encourage more people to report their sexual assaults if they feel comfortable with it, because I feel like it's so sad when you think about how many people in the world, how often sexual assault happens. And so much of it goes non-reported. And I think it's the most heartbreaking thing that I can, you know, count on my, you know, more than my 10 fingers, how many of my friends that I know have been sexually assaulted. And it's heartbreaking. And I never want to, you know, it, it, it makes you think about like, you know, what if I have a daughter one day and I just want to shield her from the world and I, sh- I want to shield her from things like this. And so I think I've done a couple of episodes around sexual assault and I, I've had like a guest speak about her experience, but I think it's something that, you know, people can be really reluctant to talk about because they don't want to talk about it. And sometimes people don't know how to talk about it. And it took me a while to come to terms with like, you know, the fact that what happened to me was sexual assault. And I think it's, there's a whole part in, you know, actually labeling your sexual assault as sexual assault, because I think there's so much of some people that don't want to believe that that's actually what happened to you. And so yeah, I think in hindsight, I think a lot of what I'm trying to do with my podcast is just, you know, I I do a lot of like running stuff, but I also do a lot of mental health stuff because I think it's really important to talk about that stuff and um, really important to uplift other people's voices um, and just raise awareness around really important issues. Wow, that was, that was, I'm, I'm speechless, <laughs> but I... It's a, it's a horrible position to be in, but I can relate to a lot of what you've been through. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to speak to you on here was because actually you having spoken about the fact that you did go through the justice system with your assault, I was one of the people who reported it and was told I didn't have the evidence. Um, mm. And so hearing about your book and one like I... I would love to read it. I would love to know what that's like because, mm-hmm. of course, I made the decision and I don't regret my decision because of the circumstances, but there's always going to be that what if I carried it on? Yeah. What if, you know, he could be behind bars right now? I could have fought, but what would that have meant? What would I have had to have gone through? And Mm -hmm. so I think it's amazing that you're actually going to bring that to light. And there Mm. there are so many girls, and especially right now, I think it's a really topical conversation, not only because of the awareness week in the last month, but also just the fact that, you know, the Sarah Everard case and the stats that came out from that, I mean, 97%, that's shocking, like that just shen- yeah every time i say it it sends shivers down my spine like mm. you say you can count your friends 
I mean, I know countless girls. So many people have come forward and messaged me since I've opened up on social media and said, you know what, I've been through the same. And it's it's horrible to receive the messages, but it's also amazing because mm. it's like you're building this community and it's a horrible community to want to be a part of. But actually... yeah to be in that and to be able to have support and feel like you're not the only one is amazing. And the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can break down the taboo is it's so important. And I think in my recovery, in my realization, like you say, it takes ages just to accept the Mm. fact that it actually happened to you and to label it as assault. Like I was Mm -hmm. in full denial um, that it was my body that I experienced mm. it. I know it happened. I knew it was that label. Um, but I was, I couldn't, my brain couldn't process that it was my body. And I think yeah. we all, everyone who's been through it will struggle with something to do with that because it's just, it's it's almost something that I felt that I should have been ashamed of, that I let it happen to me. Mm. But obviously it's that's not the case at all like I I didn't it you know Mm. it was an assault it was I that's completely the wrong way to look at things but yeah I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is you're amazing in speaking out (laughs) thank you um but how have you dealt I know it was a long time ago for you but I mean whether it was two years ago two months ago five years ago you know when whenever things are spoken about it can be triggering and with everything mm-hmm. that is coming out at the moment how do you deal with those triggers I mean I'm guessing you have a bit of closure from your um from your case but I mean are you still triggered definitely I think um I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when I was going through this year-long case and For me, I always tell people, you know, that first year that you, you know, since the assault and, you know, when you come to that one year mark, I think that that's the most emotional that it gets. Um, And for me, I spent that first year in, you know, in cases um, or in my case and like, you know, we had these different trials and different things and it was just, um, it was having to repeat my story over and over and having to say it to my case investigator to um, this guy's lawyer in front of random people and just having to, I think that that's why I'm so comfortable in talking about it now is because it, it, it was kind of forced out of me as uncomfortable as it was. Um, and it's definitely triggering because I think, you know, I think it's more so because I know of so many girls that have gone through it and so many of my friends that they do hit like that one year, two year, three year mark. And they, you know, they always kind of message me and say like, you know, this is a really emotional day. And like, you know, obviously I want to be there for them and like help them through it. But like, all I can really say is like, I hit the five year mark this past February. And, you know, it's still an emotional day where it does, like you can't really, not think about it on that day and I feel like it's that date that really sticks with you and for me it was hard for the first few few years because um 
my birthday falls in February and, you know, it's hard because like I used to really look forward to February and I used to love it and it falls at like the end of the month and then my sexual assault happened on February 6th of 2016 and so it's always like at the beginning of the month and it took me a while to really like start to look at it in a more positive way and even after winning my case, it was still like a hard thing to go through but I think as I get as I got to like, you know, the three, four, five year mark, um, I started to see it more of like a celebration of look at how far you've come, look at what you've overcome and just like reminding yourself that you're not letting that linger over you or control you or hold you back from further becoming the strong woman that you are. And I think there was so much about my case as well because he ended up admitting to basically saying that there was another girl previous to me that had tried to report him and she didn't have enough evidence. And that was heartbreaking for me to hear. But at the same time, you know, I just thought, you know, it's just the fact that like, even though a lot of girls report and like yours were like, you know, you don't have enough evidence and they tell you that it's, it's just like an insane thing. And I think I just got, you know, I had so many different like text messages from that night. I had so many different witnesses at like, you know, the different like events that I was at basically that night that could basically say like, yeah, like she was there. Yeah, this happened. And yeah, you know, his, he doesn't have the best track record. And it's, it's so unfortunate because like, you never know that you're not, when, like, especially, I know that it happens to men too, but it's like, we don't ask for sexual assault to happen to us. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not like you are going out some night and you're, you know, you pick out a skirt because you're thinking, yeah, because this is what I want to happen to me, you know? And it's like, you can't even really like mentally prepare to start taking down evidence or start like, you know, voice recording or just like, cause like, it's just ridiculous what, you know, people are basically asking for in terms of evidence. And I think I'm just someone who like was, you know, when I was like, I was drinking that night and I was just messaging a lot of people. So there's just like a lot that I have in my messages that I want to share in this book about like, um, they're just like screenshots of these messages. And there are points where I'm saying help, help. And I'm saying his name and I'm saying, this is where I'm at. This is what he's doing. I don't want this to happen. And, um, and it's just, I think it's just being able to have people that were able to say like, yeah, she was texting me that night and yeah, I was, I was in that same house as, um, it was like a different fraternity person in that house. And, you know, I think while it, it sucks to say that I feel like I was just lucky in my situation because it shouldn't have to be that way. No. And like, we just need to believe victims more and you, we need to support them more. And, you know, I think there's just... There's so much about the trauma that like, you know, you kind of will feel like you're you're over it and you'll feel like you're kind of like getting to a good place. But I think the thing about trauma is that it comes in waves and it comes up as things like triggers or nightmares and, you know, just random things that trigger you. And like for a while, for example, like I had a really hard time trusting men in general and I couldn't be around like even like my chemistry teacher. I just felt really uncomfortable and it was really weird. I really couldn't like, I tried to date guys and I just felt really uncomfortable. And then it was like, 
you know, but like, how do I know that they're the right guy to be able to trust them and say, this is what I've gone through and this is why I'm so uncomfortable right now. And so I think so much of what helped me is um, obviously like going through the case was really um, helpful in the end, but also just therapy was really helpful. And um, yeah, but I think in the end, it really is just, you know, getting through each year and, you know, just reminding yourself of how far you've come and, you know, how strong you are and how resilient you are. Absolutely. And you you put it very well there that it is, and it, I, I hope to be one day in that place where I can celebrate my strength in actually being able to speak out because, as you rightly said, that first year, that was... I went from being completely numb towards the assault because I was spiked. Um, so a lot, I, I didn't have a lot of emotions um, towards mm. the event itself, but my body obviously went through it. Um, mm. And, but that year on, on that day, on March 13th, I, it was like something switched. And my my family were obviously knew the date, they knew I was dreading it. I had been, ever since the new year, I was like, oh, it's coming up. And I was just, you know, as it was getting closer, I was getting more and more anxious. And I hate, mm. I hate the word anniversary because I feel like an mm -hmm. anniversary should Same. be celebrated. But I don't know what yeah. word can be used because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not at the celebration point yet, but... It is just that year on and then all of the emotions hit me um, and it's scary. Like it's, it's, it's horrible to have to relive it, but you, you rightly say you need to just, the more you can process it, the more we can speak out about it. And actually it's horrible to have to repeat your story and mm. the, the fact that, you know, you were and you're not lucky, nobody is lucky, but to have those messages was, as you say, pivotal in, or crucial even, in being able to forward your case, because I didn't. Um, and so I, th I think everyone's case is obviously so unique and so different, but I, I just am so much... I have so much aspiration for you. I don't know. It's, I don't mm. think aspiration is the right word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I'm feeling right now. Um, yeah. And I I can't wait to, to hear your book and just speaking to you about it and knowing that, you know, there, there are so many people that have been through the same and hopefully girls who are listening to this or guys who have been through it actually you know, we, we are in it together as much as it feels so lonely and so unique because no one felt, I know something I really feel and still do in my recovery from it is the fact that no one understands how I felt and what I was going mm. through. And so it does feel yeah. really lonely, but actually we, although the actual trauma and the event itself was unique and is unique to every victim the process afterwards and having to go through that kind of acceptance and then all of the emotions that come from that that anger the upset the you know the the wanting to 
put things right, the not knowing where you are, or like just everything that all the waves that come after that, they we all go through that. And I feel since speaking to you, it's it almost makes me feel more comfortable in knowing that you went through it too. And that mm. in three, four, five years, on March the 13th, I might one day, and I hopefully will, be able to celebrate it as the day that I survived and the day that I, you know, yes, it changed my life. It was haunting and traumatic and hideous and it made several years to come really difficult but actually it changed who I am yes for the worse now I didn't deserve to go through that no one does but also for the better I already feel like a stronger person I feel like I know my own mind more I know my own strength I know actually my value I value myself and I'm going to I'm going to put in the work to get myself mentally to a place where I do feel stronger and I do feel more resilient and actually I do have the power to say no. Like, I can do that and I am in control as much as there are certain things that I can't. Like, there's, there's just so much to come that I think speaking to people who are at different stages is so important in being able to become more comfortable with what I've gone through. Not that you ever should have to be, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely, um, definitely. And your, your podcast, Resiliency in Running, I... I find it so, it's like my little form of therapy. <laughs> I listen to your to your episodes and the, the way you talk about these topics that do have a taboo and aren't necessarily spoken about, they do, they're really important. And just going back, I know you've spoken a lot about the sexual assault, but actually I've also gone, gone through and I'm going through recovery of eating disorders and like you I was diagnosed with anorexia it it was again because of control I was assaulted then we were put in lockdown and then the only thing I had control of was that whole aspect of my life the eating the exercise all Mm -hmm. of that and so it became I became obsessed with that because it was it was taking up my life I had nothing else to do um and (sighs) It's, I find it fascinating that you and I are quite similar in, one, the fact that we both began hating running and at one point (laughs) of our lives said, I don't understand why anyone would want to run. It's hideous. Yeah. Um, But because of lockdown, the fact that I couldn't play netball, um, I got into running. It was my form of getting out of the house and feeling free um throughout the lockdown um and then I I now absolutely love it but it's because exercise is part of an eating disorder and it's part of that discipline and training and all of the obsession side it's difficult to balance and my I know my doctors and my therapists were very are very negative still are very negative towards sport but actually I find it and I think you have too well obviously um you have um 
I find it a, a huge tool in my recovery. I think it's something that mm. it it drives me. It gives me a passion. It gives me a focus. And um, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on actually how how did you make that transition from disordered exercise to healthy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've. That's definitely something that um, was it's it, it's really like funny now to me almost that like it used to be something that I used to like almost punish myself with and like make myself go into my parents' garage and run on the treadmill like multiple times a day, but now like just being so passionate about distance running and like the nutrition that goes behind it and just really like learning more about it, I think. It's definitely, like, something that, like, is a part of – a massive part of my weeks and, like, so important and just, like, I think taking care of myself mentally but also my body physically, obviously. Um, But I think in that recovery process of an eating disorder and I kind of went through, like, waves where I would feel really strong in my recovery and then I just – you know, I would go to the doctors and they would say – you haven't gained any weight, you need to gain more weight, and I would get so frustrated, and um, I don't know, I just went through so many different phases in it, and like I, my doctor took me out of sports for six months, and so I wasn't able to exercise for six months, and it was really hard, because I think that for me, like someone who's grown up on sports, playing sports, that's such a big part of like, you know, being able to go out and like leave school, leave work, leave whatever, and just, like, go and, like, you know, have, like, a stress-relieving run or, like, playing sports or doing yoga. And to be told that you just can't do it, like, it's so tough because for me, there are so few other things that really, you know, relieve my stress like running does. Like, I'm not really, like, I, I try to journal, but I'm not someone who can journal and feel instantly better and be like, okay, now I'm okay. And, like, you know, I try to take baths and I try and do all the stuff and the self-help stuff. But It's like, just not the same, is it? The endorphins. No. They're just <laughs> the being outside, the fresh air, they're just getting mm-hmm. free. And I just lose my, my head just, like, switches off. And my brain, I don't know about yeah. you, but a lot of the time my brain is going at 100 miles an hour. But the second I go for a run or play sport or, like you, I've definitely got into yoga. I'm one of those weirdos now. Um, he, he does weekly yoga with my mum. <laughs> um, but I love it. And it's just, it's such a powerful tool. And then to be stripped of that, it's like, what do I do? I'm lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard. It's really, really hard. But I think, um, I think recovery is just, it is such a battle. Um, and I think, for me, it just got to a point where, like, in my anorexia, I lost my period for two years, and so a lot of, like, my reproductive system got quite messed up, and um, I think at just some point, my doctors just must have thought, you know, we need to instill some fear into her, Um, and, like, to be fair, like, he was right, you know, if I don't get better soon, I might have trouble bearing children. And I know that other people have had, like, other issues um, with, like, their internal, you know, organs and things because of um, anorexia and because, you know, you go such long amounts of time starving your body, basically. 
Um, obviously malnutrition is, you know, super unhealthy and not good for the body. Um, but like also anorexia is a massive mental health, um, issue that when I was going through it, um, you know, eight something years ago now, a lot of people kind of looked at it and said, well, why don't you just eat? And I was just like, so it's not actually that easy. Yeah. (laughs) I really wish it was. Um, and I kind of went through a period as well of almost like binge eating where I was just like, what if I just eat a bunch of food and put on the weight again and then they'll leave me alone? Because there's a part of it too, where it's like, I just want to live my own life, even though I'm still living under my parents' roof. Like, I just, I don't want to go to these appointments anymore. I just want to be better. I want them to clear me and tell me that I'm better. But, you know, it's just so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think recovery is definitely a really tough journey, but I think um, there are obviously a lot of, like, reasons and, like, health reasons that I think that, like, um, you know, I think after having put your body through um, so much with an eating disorder, I think that, like, for me, they were trying to explain at some point that was, like, you know, your your body now doesn't have enough fat. And now, you know, the next thing when you're, when you're working out and you're exercising is, you know, your body starts to burn muscle and, like, some of your, like, your heart is a muscle. And so just, like, I think there's definitely, like, a lot of truth in, like, recovery and having to, like, slow down and, like, not work out and I think kind of shifting from like obsessively working out to like not working out is kind of hard but I think it was also probably good for me but I also remember like my first run back when they cleared me to like exercise again and just like I felt like I was in I was put in a new body or something it was a very weird experience but I think in in my like relationship with running it's become healthy because it's totally because of my recovery and I think like in my recovery um I like I learned so much more about food and I really used to be someone who only counted calories and only looked at things um for the calories and to make sure that it like was super low and like stuff like that but like for me now it's like I I want to look at the ingredients and I want to make sure that they're whole foods and I want to make sure that you know I'm not eating like too much processed stuff and Um, especially with running and like distance running, it's like vital because your body basically just like will break down if you don't feed it during your run, before your run, after your run. And I think just like it's, it's the, I love that invigorating like runner's high that you get when you run, but you can't get it unless you, when you're distance running, if you're not like taking care of yourself. And so I think in like, this journey of, you know, getting into distance running, I think I've really just learned so much about like the science behind running and like, you know, how important things like carbohydrates are for your body when you run long distances. And it's, you know, going from like having such a negative mentality about eating carbohydrates from an eating disorder to then saying, no, like I need to eat carbohydrates or else like I won't, my body will just shut down and it won't be able to run faster and I won't be able to like you know, keep up. And so I think it's, it's really learning. And I don't know, for me, it was just so much about like, like learning to appreciate running, but also learning to appreciate my body and just how much that I've put it through and just how it's, you know, it's still, 
it's still here today and I still have working limbs and I still, you know, I'm able to go out every day for a run and there are people in the world that can't do that. And so I think it's, it's a lot about gratitude and it's a lot about just learning to appreciate, um, the opportunities, yeah, I guess. I think your point there is really good about gratitude and just putting things into perspective. Um, and that is so difficult. I know, I mean, even where I am in my recovery, I still have to work really hard at not slipping back into the anorexic mindset, but thinking, no, like food is fuel, you need this. Um, you need to do it for you. You need to do it to push forwards. You need to do it because you are lucky enough to be able to. There are people who are starving because they can't eat. You can. So why are you not doing mm. this? And it is definitely the fear factor, the the learning, the knowledge, the more that you can research and the more that you can understand why you need things, the easier it becomes. The Just the reasoning behind the need to do all of the things that we do just to function. Um, it is It is so vital, but I think it's such a tool in changing that, making that switch. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting mm -hmm. now that you're to have followed your your process and your your journey <laughs> i hate that word um but to to get to now training for the marathon i mean that's insane i okay i was so stupid and i entered the marathon because my dad it's always been my dad's dream Aww. he's run the marathon several times and it, we laughed the first time he did it that i was around um, actually not the first time because I was just born, but like that I can remember um, that one day we would run the marathon together mm. because at that point I hated running. Yeah. But this year I actually entered the ballot. I don't know why it was a moment of madness. <laughs> um, so I have so much, I didn't get in, thank God, <laughs> because I couldn't do it. Um, but... Um, I have so much admiration for you for running the marathon and I cannot wait to follow your new podcast series about <laughs> your training program and to see just how far you've come. It it gives me something to strive for. It gives other mm. people something to see that, look, you know, you have been where I am right now, whether that's where I am personally or where you are as a listener, like wherever you are in that process on that timeline of getting back to the healthy mindset as doctors like to call it <laughs> um <laughs> and now being able to train for something that you know not everyone can do you, you are exceptional to be able to run a marathon anyone who does I hugely applaud and Aww. you are superheroes <laughs> um so I can't I can't wait to hear and to follow that process um but we are coming to the end of the podcast now and ugh, I'm not gonna lie it's been a bigger it's been <laughs> full-on episode we have got into some quite deep yeah. combos here but I've really really enjoyed myself and I feel like I feel like such a weight has been lifted oh. just speaking to you so thank you um as always on the podcast, we are partnered with the Bounce Back Club, um, where we make 
handmade bespoke calligraphy cards um, and paste cards for all occasions and none at all. <laughs> um, but I would like to ask you if you could send a postcard from your current self to yourself at any age, what age would you send it to and what would it say? So the message would say, skinny doesn't mean healthy. And the message would be to my 16-year-old self. And so that was right when I was diagnosed with anorexia. And so I would write, dear 16-year-old me, people don't care nearly as much as you think they do. So you can stop curling your hair every day before high school and putting a bow in it. Delete your MyFitnessPal app and stop counting your calories every day. Stop fighting with your mom and stop thinking she hates you and is out to get you. She just wants you to eat and she's right. If you keep this up, it'll take even longer to get your period back. It really internally messed up your body. Mom loves you so much and I wish we didn't spend two years fighting because of your eating disorder. Life's too short and before you know it, you'll move out of the house for good Spend more time with your mom and dad because you don't know how long you get with them before you're all out on your own and you won't believe where you end up and I just want to let you know that even that everything will work out and I know you hate running now but just wait and see where you go with it. Um, Best wishes. Wow. A fabulous end and summary. I feel like that covers the whole podcast so you know what just listen to the last 10 minutes and that covers it all (laughs) but no it's it really is um a powerful reminder and I think just putting that on paper I don't know about you but when I when I made that postcard for you was really powerful it gave me a little lump in my throat Mm. because to to read that that you would say that to yourself it's it's really powerful to know where you are now mm. and to to think actually it's there's a lot of people who are at that point right now yeah and so to know that one day they'll be where you are um is really enlightening and yeah. brings a smile to my face Aww. um so thank you so much for joining us thank you for your words of wisdom um, I can't wait to hopefully read your book one day. <laughs> um, and But in the meantime, I will be following and listening to your wonderful podcast. And where can we find it? Where can we follow you? Let us know where we can keep up with the world of Liz. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And I have to say that this has been um, a really special experience. And um, I, yeah, just wanted to thank you for the space and... Um, and your podcast or this podcast episode will be like the first one that I've ever really like admitted about this book idea. And I've been like working at it. Um, so it's an exclusive. It's an exclusive. Is that, um, we have an exclusive. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm knock on wood. I want to come out with it, um, at the beginning of next year or sometime next year. If not, um, do you know what? Sorry. I'm going to cut you off. Go for it. You need to release it on the 6th of February. Or, so I was thinking that, or um, when it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April also could be yeah. a really great, so I'm kind of, I'm playing around with some dates, um, 
but yeah we'll see (laughs) around that time yeah we keep keep us up to date and honestly thank you so much um what is your instagram please let us all know where we can follow you yeah so the instagram for the podcast is at resiliency and running and then we have a website as well just www.resiliencyandrunning.com um and i just yeah i have all my podcast info there i have my marathon training info there um and yeah, and just I'm fundraising for Boston Children's, so um, really excited to run with them this year and fundraise with them. So yeah, if you want to check that out, would love for you to go and check that out. Absolutely, check it out. We will, <laughs> we will be, we will be watching. <laughs> that sounded really creepy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and to end on a more light-hearted note I like to do this random pointless bit of trivia just to end the podcast and today's fact that came up on my little fact thing um, <laughs> generator was actually it, it made me chuckle because it's actually quite relevant um, and it really shocked me in a gross way mm. so if you um, if you find things weird, then maybe tune out now. But actually, no, don't. Um, so anyway, today's fact is that the human foot perspires half a pint of fluid a day. Wow! With no exercise, that is with no exercise. Oh my so gosh! How disgusting is that? Half a pint. <laughs> I don't even want to think about how much goes when I'm running longer distances. <laughs> no, like I I was wearing trainers when I found this out and it made me want to just chuck them in the bin. <laughs> like that is absolutely vile. And just like work shoes mm. that you wear every day. Think about how much liquid goes into them. Ugh. Oh, it's just disgusting. <laughs> but I'm sorry, anyone who I've just grossed out because it fully grossed me out. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was quite relevant actually. <laughs> Um, and anyway, that's on, on a gross note. Thank you. Of course. Thank you again for joining. And, um, yeah, I've, I've absolutely loved it. I've totally enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. What an episode. That was the amazing Liz Newcomer from the podcast Resiliency in Running. I mean... You can probably tell by how much I gushed throughout that entire episode, just how much I look up to Liz. Um, not only what she's gone through, but just how um, how much strength she has and how honest she is and how much, how much she's doing for just speaking out and bringing conversations to the forefront. And I think it's, it's just so key in getting through, getting through life, getting through the crap that we've all gone through. Anyone who can relate, you, you'll get me. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Liz, for recording with me and for that little exclusive about the book there. Um, Please check her Instagram out, check her podcast out. And as usual, find all of our stuff on our socials at Best Wishes Pod. Um, Follow, like, subscribe for the podcast. 
it honestly means the world it means people can discover us so any ratings it takes two seconds please give us a little rating leave a comment if you're feeling brave um and so others can find us too um and thank you again so much for listening join us next time on tuesday for our new episode so have a fabulous weekend bye